Welcome to the Crossroads Community Church Podcast. Thank you so much for joining us today. We hope this message encourages you and inspires you. Here's today's message. But in there, he talks about one particular thing, talking about this aspect of whisper, and the whole premise is simply this. If we want to hear God's voice, we got to get close enough to be able to hear his whisper. But really, one of the things that's cool about that, and the reason why he's so intrigued with this aspect of a whisper, is what a whisper actually represents. And I just want to give you one little concept that I've never realized until after reading the book and doing some studying. And it's going to help us to understand a little bit about who God is and where we're going. But we've all heard you know, that, that praise song that everything that has breath, praise the Lord. It actually comes from Psalms 150. But it basically says it's like a command that everything that has breath would praise the Lord. But this aspect of breath is really something a little bit bigger. In fact, on the screen, you're going to see the proper name of God, and it's Yahweh. And you may not realize this, but that's a Hebrew word. And let me give you a little bit of an Old Testament backdrop. This name was his proper name. It was considered so holy that to say this name it was assumed that you would experience death. You have to realize that during the Old Testament times, things that were sacred and holy because of the uncleanliness of the people, you weren't allowed to dwell in those things. That's the reason why there was a tent within the tent that was the Holy of Holies where the holy things were kept in the Ark of the Covenant. And to touch those things and be unclean would result in death. Well, that was presumed or it was assumed that to pronounce Yahweh would to be Death immediately, because it was his proper name. And so the Hebrew language really looks like this. They take out the vowels, and it would read like this in all capital letters, where it's the same word Yahweh. You can go ahead and throw the next screen up there. But it's the proper name of him without the vowels. They were trying to be careful, but here's where it gets really cool. If you were to say this in Hebrew, it would actually be pronounced It's the synonym of where we get the word breath. Do you realize that every time you breathe, you're signifying the fact that there's a God that's bigger than you? Yahweh is the aspect of breathing. From the time you wake up to the things you do during the day to when you lay your head down, even as you breathe, there's an aspect that you're acknowledging that God is in every breath that you take. And I believe that's why he says, let everything that has breath praise the Lord. Well, with that being said, if, if God is in our breath, if God is breathing things into existence. In fact, it's the aspect of creation when he breathed into man's nostril and created life, this aspect of, of who he is. Then my question is very simple. If we wanna hear from God and we wanna know what God wants for our life, then what is he saying? Like, I don't know about you, but my life has been pretty simple in this one kind of concept. Simple-minded pastor here, okay? God, I'll do whatever you want me to do. You just need to tell me. Like, I'm real good when people tell me exactly what they want. I'm not real good when I got to read into it. Like, like you, you guys have been there, whether it be an employee, whether it be in marriage, whether it be in parenting teenage girls, whatever it may be, when, when they're saying something, but there's something more than what they're saying, but you're like, I just kind of, like, I'm a very surface level person. 
You know, it's like, I, I'm just like, I, it literally means exactly what it means. And you're like, how did you not get that? I'm like, you didn't say that. It's like, well, I, I, I did say that, I just didn't say it directly. And I'm like, well, do me a favor, tell me directly. Like, I'm one of those guys, like, if I'm gonna go somewhere, give me the directions. Well, just listen, it'll tell you when you get there, when you're supposed to be there on your little phone with Siri. I don't want that. I wanna know beforehand. And it's really good for me, give you a little insight into the pastor's life. I'm great at directions if you'll identify them with restaurants. I don't know road names, but I can tell you where restaurants are. Yeah, you can go up here to Angelo's and you're gonna turn right and you're gonna go down. Oh yeah, yeah, okay, I got, you know. I mean, like I'm great with restaurants. I can get you from here to Panama City Beach by restaurants. You think I'm kidding, but I know that when you get to Dothan, there's gonna be that big barbecue place right there at the corner and that's where you turn. And it's like, oh, okay, how do you know that? Because it's a restaurant, I've eaten there, I like it. But with that being said, I wanna know if God spoke to us, if he gave us directions, how would we respond, how would we listen? And And I think we can answer that by one simple question. What is it that God says? And I wanna look in particular to two different times that God speaks directly to his son, Jesus. There are two times in God's word in the New Testament that God literally speaks to his son, Jesus, twice that it's recorded. The irony there, one's in baptism, one's in transfiguration. We're gonna look at both of them here in just a minute. The irony that's there is in both situations, he says the exact same thing. In both situations, he looks down, it says the clouds part and a voice comes from heaven. And then he says the exact same thing to his son, Jesus. And what he says is very simply this. This is my beloved son of whom I'm well pleased. And I wanna give you just a little bit of a backdrop and then we're gonna dive into the word and get a little bit more into this. But we can identify very quickly in what God is telling Jesus, three things that really should motivate us and help us to understand where we're going today. And I need you to bear with me because it's gonna take a little bit to get there, but when we get there, I think you're gonna kind of have an aha moment like I did studying. But if we were to look at that, in that this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased, you get three simple aspects that are there when he's talking to his son. The first thing that we realize, if you're taking notes, you can write these down. But the first thing he talks about is there's an aspect of acceptance, right? There's an aspect of an identity. He says, this is my son. Like the first thing that we realize is God wanted everybody to know who this was and what his identity was. The second thing that we realize is he gets affection. It's not just his son, but he says, this is my beloved son. In other words, This is my son that I love. In both situations, he's speaking to everybody, but he's letting them know who this is, where his acceptance is, and letting him know that he is very much a loved and affectionate. But then the last thing is he says, but but who I'm well pleased. And it's the aspect of affirmation. It's the aspect of God looking at his son and not only giving him an identity, not only giving him affection, not only doing all those things, but he's also letting everybody that's around him know that he's affirming him saying, this is who I'm well pleased. That's gonna be a really big deal here in just a minute. So can we dive into God's word and look at this just a little bit more? 
The first thing I want you to look at is Matthew chapter three, Matthew chapter three, and we're gonna start in verse 16. Now that you kind of know a little bit about what he's gonna say and what it kind of represents, I want you to listen to how he gets there. And when Jesus was baptized, immediately he went up from the water and behold, the heavens were open to him and he saw the spirit of God descending like a dove and coming to rest on him. And behold, a voice from heaven said, and here's what I just told you, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. You know, I have many people that ask me on a regular basis, they say, Pastor, why do you guys baptize? Why are we baptized? What's the significance of baptism? And you go through all these little analogies and this little, like this is a cross and buried and all these. And the reality is, is all that stuff is great and it's good and it's the truth. But I want you to understand something. I believe that every time that God speaks to us, he's normally moving us into some sort of an action. And one of the reasons why we look at baptism in the way that we do that's gonna be coming up next week is the fact that you know why we do it? Because it's something that God's called us to do. Jesus himself was baptized. And when he was baptized, this is when God opened up and he let everybody know in that baptism, he wanted everybody to know in that moment, this is my son, I love him, and he is my man, I'm well pleased in him. I don't know about you, but any time God puts an identity, an affection, and an affirmation on a situation, I wanna know what those are to see what I can do to duplicate that. Have you ever had this happen in your life? Have you ever had a time in your life where somebody that you love very, very much, it may be your dad, it may be your mom, it may be your spouse, whoever it may be, that they've affirmed something in you, they've identified something in you, and immediately you've started to replicate that action over and over because of what you received. I am a sucker for my wife's affirmation. My wife knows that she's gotta be careful with me because if my wife comes by and says, ooh, honey, you look good in that shirt, I will wear it for eight days. <laughs> like I'm going to bed and I got my shirt on. I'll be like, hey, honey, what's up? You know? I mean, affirmation is a powerful, powerful thing. And I want you to know that I believe that when God speaks to you, that you're gonna find identity. You're gonna find affection. And you're gonna find affirmation. In fact, I would tell you that if you're not finding those things, if you're not finding acceptance, identity, if you're not finding affection, and if you're not finding this affirmation, then you better be careful, it may not be God. But in this situation, you have this baptism, and there's one other time, and I just wanna read it to you before I dive into the meat of the message, which is in Matthew chapter seven. Matthew, cha I'm sorry, Matthew chapter 17. Matthew chapter 17. And it's, it's the story of the transfiguration. Let me give you a little bit of a heads up. Jesus has been with these guys for six days after a major movement where he's talking about what discipleship is. And he grabs this inner circle, John and James and Peter, and he goes up to the top of this mountain. And, and it's really cool if you were to do a little bit of a, of a study here, all the things that happens in Jesus' uh, transfiguration are very similar to what happened to Moses on the mount 
Sinai as far as the way he looked and the things he was glowing and spending time with God. And ironically, what's happening is he's at the top of this mountain and he takes on this new form and it says his clothes are glowing and he is glowing, which is the same sort of a story what happened in Moses back in Exodus when he came down and they had to put something over him because he was so bright. But all this stuff is taking place and Jesus is literally talking to other people, Moses and Elijah, and the disciples that are with him see this. And they're trying to figure out what's going on. And, and they're a little bit, little bit trying, like, what, what's happening? And Peter is speaking up, and he says, man, this is good that we have seen this. But I want you to listen to what God says. Are you ready? Again, we hear this coming out. He says, he was still speaking when, behold, a bright cloud overshadowed them. And a voice from the cloud said, here we go again, listen. This is my beloved son with whom I'm well pleased. You know, I want you to really kind of catch something. I think for us to move into what God's calling us to do, we've got to start doing the three things that God did for Jesus to help him understand. Can I ask it in a different way? Where do you find your acceptance? Where do you find your affection? And where do you get your affirmation from? See, I think a lot of us struggle with doing the things that God's called us to do because we are looking so much for acceptance that we will take it wherever we can get it. It's a struggle, right? I worked, for, worked with students for 25 years. If there was one thing that a teenager struggles with, especially from eighth grade to ninth grade, before they get that amazing thing called a driver's license, it's trying to figure out where does my acceptance lie? In fact, the only other time I think they struggle with it more is right after high school when they're trying to figure out, okay, all I've ever done is school for the last 18 years of my life. What am I gonna do now? And they start looking in all kinds of different places. And depending on where they're looking to find acceptance will also trigger where they find affection. Like for some of you, including myself, we are in certain situations even to this day because of things that we fell in love with that we were never supposed to love. For some people, they call that addiction. For some people, they call that consequences. For some people, you know what I'm saying? Like there are things in us that we are dealing with because of things that we allowed to become a part of our life and we're trying to, to kind of push those things aside to get the right things in our life that are gonna love us the right way so that we can move forward in the right things. But then there's this last one that really just hits us so powerfully and it's affirmation. I don't know if there's anything, and, I, and I'm talking about me. I can't talk about you. I'm talking about me. I don't know if there's a word that is more motivational in my life than the word affirmation. Like I'm that, I'm like that old dog. Like if you, you say that a boy and say sick him in the same sentence and I, lit, I, I, will, I will run after a tank with a butter knife. Like, I'm just one of those, like, affirmation 
is, is like my, my love language. I'm an audio type guy. I'm one of those that, that with the right things and the right words, like I have to be careful. You could leverage your words very easily in my life and I would be in a real bad situation because I would assume that the affirmation is also gonna lead me to the correct identity and affection. That's what's going on in God's word when he speaks to his son twice. In two different situations, he's trying to make sure that he understands that he is doing what he's supposed to do. But here's the intriguing part to me. Do you know in both situations, when God identifies him, gives him this acceptance and acknowledges him and gives him this, this affection and gives him this affirmation, do you know in both times it results in Jesus having some sort of an action or it results in you and I having some sort of an action? See, here's, here's the premise of today. I think most of us struggle because we want God to do something great in our life just as long as we can stay doing exactly what we're doing right now. I talked about it briefly last week. I'm not gonna spend a lot of time on this. You can go back to last week's message. But we want a whole, whole, whole lot of the awesome in our life and very little of the observe the commands. It's like we wanna say, hey, Lord, I want all the awesome you can give me. Lord, I want all the miraculous you can give me. Lord, I want you to move in such a way in my life that it's outstanding, it's amazing, it draws people to you. Lord, help me to do all those things so that you can be amazing. And God says, okay, that's great. And I want you to observe all that I've commanded you. I want you to be obedient. I want you to love me, love my son, do what I've called you to do. And you're like, but I can't do that because I'm doing my thing. I just need you to bless my thing. And that's not what he was telling his son Christ. God only spoke to him twice. And both times it's when Jesus was putting into action exactly what God had called him to do. The first one was baptism. Let me tell you why next Sunday is such a big deal for us. Because it's something God's called us to do. I'll come back to that in a minute. But the other one, listen to how he ends chapter 17 in verse five. He says something a little bit of a different tag at the end of verse five. He said, this is my beloved son with who I am well pleased. And then listen to these three words. Listen to him. I don't have time to dive into this a whole, whole lot, but if you were to keep reading Here's what the disciples do. When all of a sudden they hear God's voice and he says, this is my beloved son who I'm well pleased, listen to him. Their first reaction is they fall down in fear and they start praising God. And literally it says that, that Jesus, the voices stop, Jesus picks them up, they get up, they no longer see anybody else, it's just Jesus. Jesus starts explaining to them what's going on. One of the disciples, being his kind of Jewish person, says, you tell me what you want. I'll build three tents. I'll put a tent for each one of you that was here. And Jesus is like, no, no, don't tell anybody. And he starts explaining to them Elijah and how there was Elijah that was gonna come back, but how they didn't receive him. And the disciples start realizing that it was John the baptizer he was referring to. And he's tied together, listen, this is key. 
He ties together the same guy that Jesus went to be baptized by is the same person that he's showing them has come to announce what he's going to do, and they've missed it both times. You know why? Because they were more consumed in what they were doing rather than listening. Have you ever met somebody that you've explained to them something you needed them to do, and they miss it? Because as soon as they got the action part of what you were saying, they kind of cut you off and they didn't listen to the whole thing. Now, for some reason, I wish you guys could be <laughs> up here on stage because as soon as I said that, all you ladies, like you just like me mugged the person beside you. You were just looking like, mm-hmm, tell them, pastor. But like you, you, don't, you don't listen. I've had this told to me one time. Boy, it's a fun statement. You hear me, but you don't. All the ladies finished that, didn't they? And I'm going, well, yes, I hear you. And if I hear you, that means I listen to you. And that's not true. There's a lot of things that I hear. But if I listen, it results into some sort of a response, correct? If I listen, then I've soaked it in and I've let it processed in my, my cerebral brain and I start going, okay, now because of this, then my action's gonna result in this. So it brought me to something else when I was thinking. If God spoke to Christ twice, one time he's affirming him in the baptism and it's the reason why we do baptism, and then the other thing he says, now listen to him, if I follow through on a regular basis and we have baptism services, like that's the reason why we do it, right? Then my question is, well, wouldn't it make sense that I listen to him and say, okay, so what are we supposed to do other than baptism? Like if these are the two things that he set up, then what is it that I should be doing? And it made me think, well, very simple, very, very simple concept. What is the last thing that Jesus says? What are Jesus's Final words. You're going to see them on the screen. A lot of you are going to be able to quote this, but it says this. It's the Great Commission. It says this. All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Can I hit a pause button? Notice once again now what God did to Jesus, Jesus is doing to us. He's telling you where the acceptance is. He's showing you where the identity is. Remember just a minute ago when I was talking about acceptance, affection, and affirmation? Think about those three as we go through this. All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. And then he tells you, here's the intimacy, here's the affection side of it. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, Teaching them to observe. There's that word that we keep seeing over and over and over again. Teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. Boy, there's the intimacy side, isn't it? You say, what's intimate about that? The God creator of the world who can do whatever he wants to do, who sent his son Jesus, who now is speaking his last words, who doesn't need you because he's Jesus. He's died on the cross He's forgiven you of your sins. He has the ability to love better than you love, to draw people better than you draw, to be the salvation of the world, and yet he invites you into an intimate relationship so that you can help carry out his greatest purpose. 
I call that intimacy. Like for me, intimacy is when people love me so much that they want me to be a part of their greatest purpose. For my wife, it's called life. For my kids, it's called growing up. For people at Crossroads, it's called walking through fires and discovering our purpose so that we can go make a difference. And then he finishes with the affection. Listen to this. Or the affirmation, I should say. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. See, here's what I want you to catch today. I want you to understand that what God's calling you to do and what he's asking you to do is that if he whispers, if he speaks, if he gets into you and tells you to do something, my question is, what are you willing to do to respond to it? Because he's been in very clearly when he says, listen to me, and he says, here's what I want you to do. I want you to go out and make disciples, baptize them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to observe all the things that I've commanded you. Here's what's great. Are you ready? You can't have all the awesome stuff and say, well, I'm not gonna do that. God, I, I would love to, I mean, like, I know you want me to teach people your word. I know you want me to talk to people about you, but God, that is, I mean, do you know how awkward that is? Like, it's 2021. Like, even when I just try to explain simple concepts, our world, like, they don't accept those things real well. And so now, all of a sudden, I'm looked at like I'm kind of weird and, and like I'm just, like, like some people think that I've, I, I don't love people, I hate people. You know, we have our little church phrases that we try to say to help ease it. You know, we, we, we love the sinner, but we don't love the sin, which is a polite way of saying, when I tell people the truth, they don't like me. And I've got to figure out some way to speak biblical truth into people's lives, but I'm still struggling because I want them to like me. And the reality is, is this. Are you going to be a hearer of the word or doer? Are you going to hear God's voice or are you going to listen to God's voice? This is not going to be on the screen, but I love how it shows up in 1 Samuel chapter 15. This is where Saul is fixing to be denounced, where literally, literally God tells him, I regret that I ever made you king of Israel. He was the first king of Israel. How would you like that to be on your tombstone? Here lies so-and-so, which God regretted that he ever made him king. <laughs> wow, thank you. But before that happens, let me tell you a little bit of the scenario that's 1 Samuel chapter 15. You can go back and check me on this, but I'm gonna give you just a real quick synopsis, okay? Saul is doing everything that he's supposed to do. And he's conquering all these different tribes and people groups that God's told him to conquer. The problem is, is that, that he's pillaging all of them and he's taking the best of the best and he's bringing it back to God for this amazing sacrifices. And he goes to the prophet Samuel and he's almost in this braggadocious way saying, wow, are you seeing what we're doing? Look at all the things that we're doing and I'm taking the best of the best and I'm bringing them to sacrifice. And Samuel the prophet asked Saul an amazing question. He says, do you think God's more concerned with your sacrifices or with your obedience to listening to what he says. And Saul's response is, oh, but we are doing so many great things. Saul is consumed with all the things that he's doing. Can I read for you 
what Samuel 15, 22 says? Has the Lord as great delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices as in obeying the voice of the Lord? Behold, to obey is better than sacrifice and to listen than the fat of rams. I'm saying all this trying to drive one simple point home to you. Most of us have grown up in church and everything we've talked about has been something about a sacrifice that we make. Would you be willing to give your life to Christ? Would you be able to give up everything for Jesus? Would you be willing, if you had a trophy case, to get rid of all your different trophies and just put God up there and let him be your number one trophy? How many times you heard all that stuff? And we almost have this mentality that Jesus is all about because God made such an amazing sacrifice in Jesus that through grace, we can have a relationship with God called salvation because of the sacrifice of Christ. And its sacrifice is for us to turn around and to what? Deny ourselves, take up our cross, and follow him. And wow, look at me and the sacrifices that I've made. God, I have given up my life for you. I have forfeited my dreams for you. I've turned away from my sins for you. Lord, I am so sacrificial. And you know what I think God's saying? I don't care about your sacrifice. But I'm consumed with your listening and obedience. See, all those things I just described are not sacrifices, they're obedience. I didn't didn't give up my life for Christ. No, I got to accept Christ as my Lord and Savior. I get to do this thing. And as a result of getting to do that, I realized very quickly that his ways are higher than my ways. So therefore I said, you know what? I don't want my ways. God, I want your ways. That's not a sacrifice. I don't know if you know this or not, but anytime you give something up to get something that's better, we don't call that a sacrifice. We call that a blessing. Oh, but Lord, I, I'm not gonna do these things that, you know, because, because I, I'm just, I love you and I wanna just be a sacrificial servant for you. Wow, look at all these things that he's given me because of obedience. I am such a sacrificial person. No, 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 you're a very blessed person. Isn't it amazing how we change things in our mind to make ourselves to be something greater than we are? Like, Scripture's very clear the way God talks to you, right? It's the same things as he talks to his son. He's going to acknowledge you. He's gonna give you an identity. He's gonna give you affirmation. He's gonna give you affection. He's gonna do the same things in your life. But I want you to know today that today's not a day to be like, oh my goodness, I've got to give up so much. I need you to understand something. Listen to me. Here's the aha moment. I don't need you to give up a whole bunch. I just need you to accept a whole bunch. God has so much for you. But you gotta receive it. If you're encouraged by today's podcast and would like to hear more messages, visit us at crossroadscommunitychurch.com.